1: Till it's finished Success Chronicles. Go take care of your business. Success Chronicles it's
0: deeper than just winning Success Chronicles: Hey, what's up everybody? This is Chip Baker, coming to you with another episode of The Success Chronicles. And today we're on with Mr. Stephen Tolliver, uh, an amazing educator. Uh, man doing some great things giving back taking care of people i'm so thankful to have him on this episode of the success chronicle so first thanks so much for taking the time to interview hey thank you for uh, allowing me to to be on your show tonight i mean i am i'm excited to interview with you but uh, i've heard great things so no awesome awesome well i I think um you know (coughs) i'll tell you this funny before we dive into it so you know we we are connected through you know robert harper The second, Mm -hmm. and uh, and anytime Harp and I get together, we have to send out the warning, and it's about to be hot, right? So, (laughs) so I'm gonna do that for this one too, because I think, I, I think. Uh, this is gonna be the same way. So I'll go ahead and sit out the water. Hey, it's about to get hot. Okay. So <laughs> so before we dive in, I had to I had to warn them. I had to warn them, Doc. That's all right. So oh, yeah. let's go. Well, if you don't mind, uh, share with the audience about you know who you are and, and what it is you do. Well, uh, I'm an educator, a minister, a mentor, uh,
1: father to and I have I have an interesting story about how I reached that point. Uh, but what I do is I'm I'm an assistant principal right now at the uh, at a, a middle school in Alden ISD, uh, Teague Middle School. I've been I've been there for three years. Uh, but I'm a lifetime educator. I've been an educator. I've been in education for over 15 years. Um, <clears throat> but I've always worked well with kids. I've always had a passion and love for our youth, and I've always Led in, in some kind of way, or mentor in some kind of way. I can remember as far back as like being in college and having my coach come back and talk to his players. Um, those are things I live for, and I still do. Uh, motiv- motivationally speak, preach, do those different things. But every place, and every space that I find myself in in life, I've always been in a place to inspire people or or lead people. And I just one day realized like this is what I'm, this is why I exist. Like this is what this is my purpose. So, um, you know, I, not only do I work with ed and work in education within the confines of public ed, um, I also,
0: I also, I'm just a lifelong educator, lifelong learner. Love it. Love it. Love it. Well, what are three things you've accomplished in your life that you're proud of? Well, um, uh, I would have to say the first
1: thing that I accomplished in my life is that I actually surrendered to the will of God. Like that was, that was huge because That created context for everything else. Like it it made everything else make sense. So, you know, for a while I ran from the idea of being an educator. Like I knew that I was good with kids. Again, a lot of us do this, right? We know we're good at stuff, but I want to go do something else. So um, I'll tell you my my story of surrender. I went to school to be a pharmacist. I went to school to be a pharmacist. And I went to Texas Southern for a summer for a program. And I realized very quickly, like, okay, this may not be what I want, but I'm going to still do it because, again, pharmacies make a lot of money. So I spent the next two years at U of H uh, trying to really kind of flesh things out, working in the pharmacy uh, as a tech, uh, learning, trying to really make it fit, and it never fit. So I gravitated toward people because that was the thing. Whenever I would be at the cash register checking out People with drugs, I would always get yelled at for talking too much. You know, you, Tolliver, why, why are you trying to counsel the patients away from using drugs? <laughs> <But> Talibur, <laughs> just count the pills, Tolliver, like, just do your job. Yeah. And yeah. again, that just wasn't who I was. So I, I realized I had a love for people. So I actually changed my major to psychology. Uh, and changed my major to psychology, I realized, okay, I'm really big on human development. I'm really big on yeah. growth. I'm really big on, on seeing people achieve and grow. And I graduated with a psychology degree. Most of us know what that means. No job, right? So that's, you got to keep going. And I'm like, okay, I don't know if I want to be a psychiatrist or a neuroscientist. I don't, I don't know how far I want to go. So I, I majored in African-American, I majored in, in, in psychology, minor in African-American studies and business and was out there. So I ended up going to nonprofit um, and going into nonprofit. That's when I ran into that whole existential crisis about, okay, what do I do with my life? What do I do? And I and I was a reading teacher and a mentor for kids on the Lower East Side, and I, I got so much joy from watching those kids grow that I was like, man, I need to go teach. So when I surrendered to the will of God, it took a while, but when I finally did, it all made sense. And I remember, and this is a, there's a story in this too. I know I'm only on your first question, Chip. Um, <laughs> <laughs>
0: no, let's go.
1: I warned them, so we're good. <laughs> all right, I'm gonna talk. I'm gonna talk. Right. So. Uh, I remember it. A lot of times we don't, we don't think we deserve. Like we don't, we don't, we don't, we say we serve a big guy. We say that, you know, we're great, this, that, and the other, but we don't believe that we deserve great things. So I remember applying as a substitute to go teach an Aldi, right? I hadn't passed my certification test yet and they called me and they said, we need you to come back up here and fill out some paperwork. So I said, okay, cool. I'm cutting the grass. I go up there, you know, again, you know, young 20 something year old haven't really been taught those soft skills like you never going to wear, you know, not dressed up, not ready for an interview. So I show up with my, with my clothes on, I'll cut the grass with and they're like, hey, uh, we want you to teach. And I remember being so overjoyed because I'm like, but I'm not certified. She's like, don't worry about that. We want you to teach the school that you interviewed with. They, requ- they requested you. They want you. I'm like, thank God. So everything that happened was affirming the fact that, okay, you need to teach. And every time I said yes, God just put a step in front of me. Every time I said yes and kept going back, uh, God just revealed, like, man, this is what you are. This is what you do. Uh, And anyone that knows me knows, okay, he's a teacher. Like, he's a teacher. uh, And the thing is, I taught English. I don't have a love for verbs, nouns, and, 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 and Shakespeare, but I used English as my vehicle. To reach kids, and again, there's a lesson in that because one, we deserve more than we think we do, and two, yes. if you just surrender, then you will be victorious. Lay down your arms. That's the first thing I'm most proud of. Uh, the second thing I'm most proud of, I'm most proud to be a father. Um, I, I I I'm I, I was married once, uh, and. When we had our we had two children. We had two daughters, and one of them was born overseas. Uh, that was that's the third thing I'm most proud of. Uh, but one of them was born overseas. Uh, I have a seven year old and a five year old. Uh, they are precocious. They're smart, uh, athletic. They're just I, I just know like they're going to do big things in life. I pray that I, I pray and ask God that I'm around to see it. Uh, but they're they they're going to do big things. So I'm really most proud of them uh, because again they just they bring me a lot of joy. So proud of my kids. I'm uh, also proud of, um, third thing I'm most proud of is that um, I've, I've, I, have, I have stories, right? I got a lot of stories. I got a lot of stories about mistakes that I've made. Uh, I've, I've not lived a flawless life. Uh, I've not lived a life where I played it safe. Uh, I, I know, I know, like, again, when I talk to people, um, I feel like God has allowed me to go through a lot of these things and see these things to get grow closer to him, but also it's helped my ministry too. Uh, I, I could talk to you about, you know, bankruptcy or, or either losing everything. I could talk to you about divorce. I could talk to you about, Hey, what does it mean to live overseas? You know, like I, I went to go teach overseas for two years and I, I've been out the country before. Uh, but there's nothing like living outside the country. Uh, once you leave the country, you never come back. You'll never really mentally come back. And I think more Black people need to leave. Like, more of us need to just leave. Because if you leave and go somewhere else, there's a weight that's lifted, right? Uh, when pe- people, when people, a lot of times, who we are is a projection of what other people say we are, right? So when people look at you and they say, oh, that's a Black man, Right? when they say black men, there's a connotation to it. There's a context to it, right? That's a black man. That's the descendants of slaves. That's that's someone who's disenfranchised. That's someone with darker skin than mine. That's someone who's on the news that, that you know, there are a lot of stigmas attached to it. Whereas when you're going to live somewhere else, they ain't worried about that. Like these people, I lived in the, I lived in the United Arab Emirates uh, for two years and I taught. And um, I had a group of Arab boys that I taught and like, at first, you know, we bump heads, right? Because, I mean, I'm, a, I'm an outsider. I'm, I may look like them, but, I mean, clearly I'm not them. And I remember one day one of these boys, he he. – I'm pretty chill. Like, I, like. some people have no chill. I have a lot of chill, right? I'm calm. I like peace. You know, I'm going to assert myself when I have to in order to maintain peace. But at the end of right. the day, I'm a big dude. I don't have to fight. I, I, know, I know that life, too. Yeah. Right. Right. You know, like I, I, I'm not going to fight unless I have to. You know what I'm saying? And that's just the last alternative. I'm a big dude. I never had to do that. Right. So I get over there and I'm like, these, these guys out of control, man, take me out of my character. You know what I'm saying? I allow them to. And I remember I reached a point where after going through the culture shock of being in a different culture, I began to appreciate the fact that, OK, this is not America. And because it wasn't America, there were a lot of things that were not attached to being a uh, black American in a in, in a foreign country. Um, they saw me as an American and they began to see me as myself. I began to really accept them. And I grew in, so, in, in a lot of ways. And I guess I'm most proud of that growth because when I came back to the United States, it was 2015, this is when, you know, Mike Brown, uh, Eric Garner, all this stuff is happening. And like, I was calm, man, like, I learned to have joy in the midst of chaos, you know, and that's something that's, that's a spiritual gift to be able to have joy. Uh, But, you know, I was really proud that I left. I was proud to have left because some people never leave their reality to exist somewhere else. And when you leave your reality to exist somewhere else, it's, it's like an appraisal, right? An appraisal is basically you saying, what am I worth? Right, you and I and I had opportunity to do that, and I realized, man, like I'm I'm valuable. Like I have skills, I have gifts. You know, the courage to be able to to uproot, and move somewhere else, live somewhere else, survive, and God bless you to do that. That's a skill. That's a gift. So, you know, since then, that has that was a life changing moment for me because I believe uh, my ex wife and I, we were actually I think a year and or two into our marriage. And you know, you, you know, every marriage you got a choice. Like, you know, this is before the kids come, you got a lot of options, right? Before the kids come, you like, baby, we can do this, we can travel the world. When the kids come, it's like, all right, we stuck we're here.
0: Yeah. <laughs> right.
1: Right. Because I mean, this was best for them. Again,
0: let's right? the so,
1: And that's what we were thinking about doing. We were like, okay, well, what kind of life do you want to live? And I've never been the kind of person that wanted to live, I, I, I appreciate stability. Right. I can, I can, I can take you to the house I grew up in right now. My parents are still in Right. I know my phone number from 30 years ago. Right. I, I, I grew up like that. I, I got my neighbors, all that, but I've always been adventurous. I've always wanted to leave and go and then tether back to home. So that was an opportunity for me to do that because I wanted to do that. Uh, when I graduated from college and then have the courage to, and, you know, again, I had that second opportunity and I took it. So, uh, I went overseas, made some tax-free money, but at the same time, it was the adventure of living in a different context that really opened my eyes and grew me, and it made me the man that I am today. And again, you could drop me off anywhere in the world; I'm gonna be all right.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's cool to hear you talk about your journey and your story. You know, the fact that you you know that you're proud of, you know, surrendering to God, being the father, and, and having stories. I love that, and how you talked about. Uh, growing through your go-through. Yeah. Hold oh, no, on, wait a minute, let me say that. <laughs> <laughs> and how you talked about growing through your go-through, you know, and so I didn't say going because we all have to go through something, but what we have to do is when we go through those things, we have to make sure that we find the blessings and the lessons and grow through it so that we're better on the other side. And uh, I right. love it how you talked about how you how you did that. And so just hearing those things, you know, I would consider that to be hugely successful. So let's hit on success. What is right. your definition of success? I think success, uh, and I'm, I'm glad you sent me this,
1: these questions this morning because I've had a chance to meditate on them. appreciate that. Mm, yes, sir. Um, my definition of success is for you to, it's for an individual or a person to reach their highest level of potential and output. And you judge success, not by how great you are, but how great you can make others around you. So there's a seed principle to it, right? A tree or a plant is not, it it doesn't serve its purpose if it can't reproduce. Right? So, you know, a lot of our success, if our success doesn't elevate people around us, then it's not really truly success at the highest level. It is success because you can brag about it, but, if me being successful doesn't inspire or encourage or move you, then I have not yielded, I have not, that's not my highest yield, right? So that's why I love being a teacher because if I grow and I get better <laughs> if as an administrator, if, if I grow in leadership, if I get better, if I got all these educational books and I'm reading them, but I don't ever share with anybody. If you don't get better because I'm getting better, then I'm not doing my job. I'm not doing the best I can do as a father, right? Uh, if I've been instilled with all these different uh teachings and all these different gifts uh, from other people again, like man angelou said, you know i I come as one, but I stand as ten thousand right so if my community has poured all this stuff into me and I'm not passing it on, I can't call that success. I can't call it a success, right I can call it fortune, but I can't call it success because I'm not elevating the people around me. I'm not being, I'm not being that tree with that good soil and those seeds. I'm not planting seeds. So for me, success, not, is, is not money. Um, clearly I'm, I'm in education. Um, it's not money. It's passing on and, and, and growing other people around me. So I've always judged my success by the success of my team. So I'll give you an illustration. Um, one of the roles I had when I was uh, on, my, on my journey, my leadership journey, I worked with um, a group and I actually worked with a group here when I came back from the United Arab Emir- Emirates. And um, I realized when I was over there, I'm like, I'm a leader, right? I realized how, that I really was a leader. And um, the guys I worked in the office with help elevate them. And that's when I realized I wanted to coach. I wanted to be an instructional coach. So this role I took in the, when I came back from over there was, was an instructional coach. And in the beginning, you know, I, I couldn't understand like why I was struggling. And then when I realized I, I came to realization that summer, cause I, I prayed and asked God, I was like, Lord, remove everybody who doesn't need to be here, you know, fix me, grow me so I can be the best I can. And I realized, I was like, wait a minute. I'm supposed to be, the, I'm supposed to be the 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 funnel that the blessings come through to bless y'all. I'm supposed to be the one to get the resources, the knowledge, and the information, so I can come back, show you, coach you, show you how to do it better, so that you can feel good about what you're doing in the classroom and be effective. And as as and that really kind of framed my whole entire uh, perspective when it came to leadership. Because a lot of times, for some people, leadership is just a race to the top, mm. right? I'm, I beat everybody there. Well, guess what? Some of the fastest dudes in sports, they're not great players, right? You you got your James Jets, your Quadri yeah. Ishmael, yeah. you got your yeah. track guys that come in, they're fasting everybody on the field of football, but they're not they're not the top receivers. Why? Because there's something missing. And a lot of times when we're the fastest people to reach a certain point, when we look behind us, ain't nobody following. Why? Mm-hmm. Because they realize you're not trying to lead. They realize that you care less whether they get it or not. And that's where I think my success uh, when I look back, my success has always been tied to, I wonder what that person I work with is doing now. Oh, they're a program director. Or I wonder what that person I'm doing now. Oh, okay, they're they're an AP. Or, or they're over a department. Or or they'll call me and be like, man, I'm so glad that you showed us this. Or I'm glad that, you know, pe- my people still keep in contact with me. I even have guys from overseas who still call me. In uh, fact, that I have one that messaged me last night. You know, that's how I gauge my success. I want to be a tree that produces fruit, and that's how you judge
0: it. I love it. Love it. Love it. But well, before we get off, if you don't mind sharing with the audience where they can go follow you and check you out and show you some love. Okay.
1: Uh, I am Stephen underscore Tolliver. Uh, that's my, that's my Instagram handle. Um, my Twitter handle is L S Tolliver 12. And I also wrote a book. It's called it is not for Kings and you can find it on Amazon. And Stephen Tolliver, author. Um, It's and I'll give a quick little little synopsis about it. Um, Please. During my journey, um, and again, I worked in public education for almost for eight years, uh, and when I left and went overseas, I came back. I did it for two more years, and then I left and went to private school. and And for some people, that was career suicide. For me. Uh, that was my existential crisis, my second one. You know, like that was that was me really like answering the call of God. Like it was like, okay, I want to go work in Christian education, take a, a fifteen thousand dollar pay cut. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? In the middle of my career, right before I'm supposed to start making moves, and 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 I remember my uh, my ex she said, "Yeah, say yes, gotta provide," and and I listened. And there were many days where I looked at that paycheck and was like, "Oh man, you know this is this is this is this is, this is the wrong decision." But the growth on a personal spiritual level during those four years away is what actually led me to write this book. Um, I, you know, a lot of times as men, we, we, we grow, we get older, but we don't mature. Right. And we don't grow into who we're supposed to be. So I spent that time growing into who I was supposed to be. Um, I, I became I became a campus minister. <laughs> So I left and went from being an instructional coach to being a campus minister. The two don't, one of these, one of these, one of these is not like the other, right? Right. <laughs> so uh, I, I, t- I answered that call and I became a campus minister at Westbury Christian School on the other side of town. Um, and during that time, I worked with students and I would do chapel talks. i right? do chapel talks. I mean, I was, you know, to me it was like, okay, motivational speech. I was doing that in the school system. I do it here. Well, again, the motivation is people need people People will never grow from motivation. They'll grow from discipline, though. So when I would give these inspiring talks, the kids would watch me. And they would see, okay, is he doing that? Yes. But I mean, literally, in my office, was in a, in a glass, in, in, encased in glass. so I, I lived in the fishbowl. They would watch me. Mr. Tolliver, you, you said that. Why are you doing that? And I, it, it quickly like, grew me up. It's like, okay, you got to be you gotta be what you say you're going to be. And I've been a youth, you know, a youth minister before. I've done those different things, but you know, as a youth minister, you see them on Sundays and on weekends, and then you go home. You know, when you're a campus minister, they see you every day at work. They see the frustration. They see that, and that's actually what me and Hart uh, we work together doing that. But and he'll tell you, you know, like you know, Stephen was pretty consistent. Um, I gave a talk one day and i was supposed to talk to a group of boys one of my teachers at another school i worked at uh, i was an assistant principal at the time she knew that i had the gift of, of speaking and she asked me to speak to her son they had an organization and i i, I was looking for something because you know again the organization was it's, it's called the league of gentlemen or something like that but the organization is, is mothers who are basically teaching their son how to be gentleman right? Teaching their sons how to be gentlemen. So I found, I, I went out, I, I found Proverbs 31 and really it came to me. And as I read it, it it made so much sense. It was, it was the right timing. It was God's timing, Holy spirit working. Um, I realized I was like, man, like Proverbs 31, verse one through nine, it's about manhood. And I looked at it and I was like, man, like these are all the pitfalls in life that I've struggled with. <laughs> like literally like, you know, lust, uh, ad- addiction to things, or trying to, you know, trying to get addicted to, to 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 money and things, and then apathy. And I thought about, it, I was like, wait a minute, that's what all men struggle with. On some level, we all struggle with, you know, uh, learning how to control our bodies, right, L- and learning not to worship stuff, and learning how to stand up and be a man when it's time. So when that revelation came to me, I I I, uh, I, I, I used that scripture again to do another talk. And, and Robert was there that day. And I told Robert, I was like, dude, this needs to be a book. So I immediately went home. I start writing and I wrote and wrote and wrote, kept writing, ran out of gas sometime about three months later. And it, it didn't hit me again until COVID. When COVID happened, you know, time. time. I had no more time. No. And then
0: COVID happens. No excuse.
1: Happens, <laughs> no excuse. COVID happened during and actually right when COVID happened, that's when me and uh, Mike's wife started having problems. Like we, it was, it was at that time, you know And I mean? If anyone's ever been through a divorce who's listening, there's that moment when you realize, oh wait, this is not, this is not repairable. This this is broken. And it happened the day before the city shut down the week before the city shut down. So you find out, Hey, your spouse don't want to be with you no more. And you realize in next week y'all are stuck in the house for six months. So this book was not only a will and testament to the people or to, to, to the people who are going to read it, but it's for me. You know, they always say when a preacher's preaching something, he preaches to himself. So I wrote this book, it, it kept me sane, <laughs> it gave me peace. Uh, and it's something I'm It's one of the if you had a fourth thing on the list, that's something I'm very proud of as well, is that I get to leave this will and testament to other people.
0: Awesome. Well, hey, I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time to interview with Success Chronicles, uh, dropping some gems. I warned them it was going to be hot.
1: (laughs) I want to apologize because it wasn't 10 minutes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, no, I I just, you know, value your time. But, man, thank you so much for for sharing. I truly appreciate it and I wish you continued success. Thank you so much, Chip. Appreciate it, yes, sir. And thank you guys for checking out this episode. We'll see you next time. God bless. All right. Go get it.